everyone you're listening to sweet talk with elisa podcast this is elisa and on today's episode i will be talking about a very sensitive topic so be prepared embrace yourselves let's get the show started the month of october is known as national domestic violence awareness month and Some of you probably know people who are victims or survivors of domestic violence, or you possibly may know some of the abusers of domestic violence. Like I said, this is a very sensitive topic. So if you're not prepared to listen to further details of what I will discuss on this episode, then I suggest you don't tune in. But if you want to know more about domestic violence and my personal experiences with domestic violence, then feel free to tune in. But I did give you guys a fair warning that this is a sensitive topic. So I just want to reflect back on to what I discussed a year ago on the podcast, talking about domestic violence. There's so many variations of abuse when it comes to domestic violence. And I'm going to say what they are. Just a few of them. So you guys can get an idea. There's physical abuse, mental abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, financial abuse, sexual abuse, economical abuse, etc. And... I know for some people, when they hear domestic violence, they automatically think physical abuse because you can see bruises and scratches and things like that. That's like an automatic red flag. But a lot of people, I would say, speaking for myself, um, have never really experienced physical abuse when it comes to domestic violence. Um, In some cases, I would say also... A lot of victims of domestic violence don't survive. And you hear things on the news, on social media about people getting abused and end up being murdered or committed suicide because they couldn't deal with all the abuse anymore. And that's sad, man. Like, it really is. And I hate to hear things like that. But there are ways for victims to get help. You can contact your local authority to get help, get protection to protect yourself and your kids if kids are involved or even family members like your mother, your father, sister, brother. You know what I mean? Um, Maybe there's someone you work with, go to school with, you can trust and talk to about what's going on behind closed doors with your significant other. And there's also organizations that work with victims of domestic violence that can help you find a way to get out of the situation you're in with the abuser. 
I know on the podcast a year ago, I did talk about domestic violence. And the reason I was talking about domestic violence was for the simple fact I was a victim and survivor. And I'll reflect back also on my personal experiences with domestic violence, like I mentioned earlier. But um, I've mentioned the signs you guys need to look out for. And I've mentioned the ways you can get help. So if you think you know someone who may be a victim of domestic violence, or if you yourself feel like you're in a situation that is pretty much related to domestic violence, then don't be scared. Stand up for yourself. You shouldn't tolerate none of the negativity, none of the abuse from the abuser when it comes to this. You don't want to wait until it's too late. Believe me, if you see the news and you hear stuff on social media about domestic violence, it's scary. It really is. And, um, you know, I personally know people who were also victims of domestic violence dealing with constant verbal abuse and mental abuse and getting the finger pointed at them by the abuser, making it seem like it was their fault for things happening. But then again, it was the fault of the abuser. You see what I mean? So... I'm just hoping that whoever's listening, um, that you don't feel scared anymore. You know, you have a great support system from my end. Um, You can speak to me on social media, on Instagram and Twitter if you need someone to talk to. Take advantage of the help you can get. You, You know what I mean? And... I'm telling you, it only would get better if you start now to defend yourself. And if there's kids involved, you got to think about your kids too. Kids, you know, especially at a young age, they absorb things like sponges. And they absorb things quickly. So if kids are involved, do what's best for the kids. You don't want anything... God forbid happening to them as much as you don't want anything happening to you. So make sure you speak to someone you trust. Make sure you contact the right people to get the help that you need to get out of this situation when it comes to domestic violence. Now, I would like to talk about my personal experiences with domestic violence. It all started on January of 2010. That was the time I met my ex-boyfriend, a.k.a. Baby Daddy. So um, during that first month of us meeting, you know, we did go out to dinner, we talked, chilled. And then fast forward a few weeks later was Valentine's Day. I go over to his place. At the time, he was renting a room at an apartment in Washington Heights. And, uh, you know, he surprised me with some Valentine's Day gifts. But the gifts caught me off guard because it was like, it's been less than a month we've been seeing each other. You getting me gifts already? He got me some clothing. I think it was a, a, a stuffed animal, you know, Valentine's Day themed animal. 
Um, and I just thought it was weird because I've never had anyone, you know, who I was in a relationship before him purchase clothing for me. I would always buy my own clothing, you know what I mean? But to have a guy buy me clothes, I just thought that was weird, especially within a few weeks of just seeing each other. So fast forward a month later, going into the month of March, one of my best friends sent me a message on Facebook letting me know that she was getting married and that I was going to be the maid of honor at her wedding. She didn't even ask me. She just flat out told me, you're going to be my maid of honor. So I thought that was amazing news. My bestie's getting married and she wants me to be her maid of honor. Like I was truly happy about that. I've been to a bunch of weddings, but never been a part of the crew. You know what I mean? The bridal party. So I told my ex-boyfriend, a.k.a. baby daddy, that, you know, my best friend says I'm going to be the maid of honor at a wedding. She's getting married in a couple months. And first thing my ex said was, ain't no girl of mine going to a wedding alone. I looked at him like, wait, what? is he claiming me to be his girlfriend now? Like, I'm confused. Because the impression I got from him when we first met was he wasn't looking for a relationship. As for me, I was looking to, wanting to date and pursue a relationship eventually if things worked out. And I told him flat out from the beginning, you know, if you feel like things ain't working out between us, please let me know. Just be honest with me. Like, you feel like it ain't working out between us, Let's go our separate ways. I wouldn't be upset. So, um, oh, did I mention the age difference between him and I? There was a 10-year age difference. My my ex-boyfriend before him, there was a 14-year age difference. Uh, That ex was 14 years older than me, was married before, but he got divorced. But this was way before I got in the picture. And he had three kids, but I never met the three kids. The kids were in custody of his ex-wife. So yeah, that's a long time ago. I was 21 at the time. My ex was 34, having that 14-year age gap. But anyways, I'm talking about this last ex-boyfriend, who's the father of my son. So um, yeah, I, I was like, this guy is talking about ain't no girl of his going to a wedding alone. Like I really didn't understand that. So, um, months goes on, you know, the months are going by and I, I'm noticing like his behavior. Um, he's the type of guy that's very loud, very ratchet, um, doesn't dress his age. He dresses like he's like a high school boy, baggy jeans, you know, oversized t-shirt, gotta have his fresh kicks, you know, whether it's Jordans or Nikes. He was a pothead, still is a pothead. <laughs> um, you know, he's all about flossing with his outfits. You know what I mean? But when it comes to hygiene, let me tell you, I don't even want to get into that. <laughs> but um, yeah, so the time of my best friend's wedding, she got married in July of 2010. I invited my ex and my brother to be my guests at the wedding. And um, being the maid of honor, being a part of the bridal party, you know, I wasn't going to be 
all around my guests, you know, until, you know, the reception was, you know, all calmed and situated where everyone said their speeches and all that good stuff when it comes to wedding receptions. So at one point during the reception, I go over to the table where my ex and brother was sitting at and, um, you know, chilling out with them, asking if they were good, everything was okay. And at some point, the best man was looking for me and he spotted me. He was asking if I was going to go dance. And I said, in a minute, like I'm resting my feet. (laughs) I had on these like little skinny heels and I'm not used to wearing like little skinny heels. And this was the time of the year after that wedding, I ended up finding out I had an Achilles tendon. I got heel spurs and I started having issues with my feet and having pain. And I had to see a podiatrist. That's where I got the diagnosis from. But going back into the wedding, um, yeah, my ex felt some type of way about the best man. He thought that we had a thing going on because the best man was constantly looking for me. I I was either in the ladies' room helping my best friend out to use the restroom because she had a long dress or just like just joking around with, you know, the bridesmaids. But then again, my ex felt some type of way, like, why is the best man coming over here, like, always asking for you and this and that? Oh, you didn't hear what he said in the speech? Talking about that, uh, you know, he was saying my best friend, um, the best man basically said during his best man speech, he thanked my best friend for picking a beautiful maid of honor. So my ex felt some type of way with that comment coming from the best man during the speech in front of everyone at the reception. I honestly didn't pay attention to when he said that because my mind was elsewhere at that point. No lie. But then reflecting back on it, I was like, oh, wow. I actually did hear him say something about the maid of honor, but I really didn't pay attention. I think the the wine was getting to me at that point. But um, by the time the reception was over, you know, I had to go back home, but I ended up going back to my ex's place. My brother ended up taking a cab home and I spent the night with my ex and he felt some type of way because of what happened at the wedding reception. I mean, nothing really happened. It's just he felt some type of way about the best man. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what is the problem? Like, you know, you make it seem like I had something going on with the dude. Nothing happened. I was respectful with everyone when it came down to setting up for the wedding and the rehearsal dinner and all that stuff. Like, everything was chill. Like, why would you accuse me of doing something that I never did? You know, you're making yourself look stupid. So, anyway, months go on. You know, he was a part of a bowling team, going bowling like a few times a week, every week for like a few months. I went with him to the bowling alley to watch him play. You know, he was in a tournament and, um, you know, I met the people he was in the tournament with. And um, a couple times we did get into an argument. And I remember one time I called my house and I spoke to my brother. My brother was pissed. and I have a brother that's four years younger than me. He wanted to talk to my ex and he started flipping out on my ex. Like, why are you talking to my sister that way? Like, you know, don't you do that? Like, I will fuck you up. Like some type of shit he said to him. And then my ex would come at me like, why is your brother talking all this shit to me? Blah, blah, blah. 
you know, fuck you, fuck him, like, fuck your family. Like, he, ooh, he would put a scene out in public. And I'm like, what's with all the hostility? Like, you need to chill and lower your voice and calm down. Like, you're a grown-ass man acting like an immature little boy. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I was like, whatever. Going into January of 2011, um... After hanging out with him, you know, overnight, I went home from his place and I had to get ready for work. And something told me, you need to go to the store and get a pregnancy test. My period was late. And I mean, I've discussed on the podcast about having polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS for short, and having irregular cycles. So this one time I was like, something seems a bit off. So, you know, back then I had AOL Instant Messenger and I like reached out to one of my old junior high school classmates and I was friends with her for a couple of years until she decided to block me on Facebook, I don't know how many years ago, for whatever reason, I don't know why. And she told me, go to the 99 cent store, get a pregnancy test. That's how she found out she was pregnant with her first daughter. So I was like, okay, let's see. I get the pregnancy test at the local discount store in the neighborhood where I lived at at the time. And then I go home. Nobody's there. So I go to the bathroom. I take the test. Bam. There goes the two lines that showed the test results were showing that I'm pregnant. I couldn't believe it. I was crying. I was like in shock. I was scared. I was happy. I was excited. I was nervous. Like I had all these emotions going through me. So I go to work with this in the back of my mind that I got a positive pregnancy test. And then on my way home, I contacted the program director at my old job, letting her know that, um, listen, I'm not going to be able to go to work tomorrow. I have to go to the doctor. I think I might be pregnant. So she tells me, oh, my goodness, you're going to be a mom. That's that's awesome. That's great news. And then she was like, okay, well, go do what you have to do. But then she warned me that the main honcho of the job, the boss, who was actually a priest, because I was working at a church at the time for an after-school program, she tells me the priest is not going to like to hear that I'm pregnant out of wedlock. So she said I need to come up with an excuse saying that I'm going to get married one one of these days you know, after the baby's born or something, you know what I mean? They just come up with something, you know? So, um, you know, I'm walking home and my ex is meeting me at my house and, uh, I'm telling him like, we need to talk. And then I'm whispering and saying, uh, I'm pregnant. And he looked at me like, what? So then we leave to go to his house from the Bronx to Washington Heights, um, I'm telling him I'm pregnant. I took a pregnancy test this morning when I got home from your place and the test came back positive. So he's like, nah, something ain't right. So I'm like, who else you think I'm with? Like, I'm only with you. We go to his place and for some random reason, he grabbed a pregnancy test. I'm like, wait a minute. In my mind back then, I didn't think, like, where the hell did he get this pregnancy test kit from? You know what I'm saying? 
He just like grabbed it from a drawer and told me to take it in the bathroom. So I go to the bathroom. I took the test and it came back with two lines showing it was a positive test. So I'm showing him, look, same thing. It's positive. I'm pregnant. I'm going to the doctor tomorrow just to be sure. So he was freaking out. I go to the doctor the next morning and my doctor was like, this is the third pregnancy test you had taken and it's positive. Like, what are you going to do? So when he asked me, what are you going to do? I looked at him like, what do you mean? What am I going to do? I'm keeping the baby. And I just thought to myself at that point, like, wow, this is serious. I'm freaking pregnant. But doctors told me years ago, I was not ever going to be able to have children because of having PCOS. And, you know, this was like mind boggling because I'm like, how the hell did I get pregnant? You know, protection was used, of course, but, you know, sometimes things happen to protection when you use condoms and it pops. You know what I mean? So um, my doctor gave me the referral to see a prenatal specialist and so on and so forth and got the ball rolling. I had to start seeing the prenatal specialist. I had to get the ultrasound done. And um, I did have issues where I was feeling slight cramping on the right side of my abdomen. So the first um, OBGYN doctor I'd seen, she had concerns. So she wanted to make sure I had a normal pregnancy. So she had me go for an emergency ultrasound. And um, I went to get the emergency ultrasound done and it showed that everything was normal. That you know, the fetus is where it's supposed to be. And I got to hear my son's heartbeat at six weeks. And um, I was tearing up. I My eyes got watery. I got the pictures of the ultrasound. And I left, you know, the ultrasound facility, like, teary-eyed. I, I couldn't believe, like, what I was seeing. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I mean, it was just an overwhelming feeling of just like, wow, I'm going to be a mom. So to sum up what my experience was like during the entire pregnancy, it was very, very stressful. But the simple fact that my son's father was unemployed. I mean, he was unemployed when we met. I mean, I knew it because he lied about it. Um... I was dealing with constant verbal, emotional, and mental abuse from him. We weren't living together right away at the time. I was living on my own. He was living on his own. And I didn't move in with him until I was about six to seven months pregnant. And he finally got a bigger apartment, a two-bedroom apartment, with the help of his mother. And... um you know, once he moved into the new apartment, I mean, I did get to check it out when um, he got it. And I was like, okay, it's nice. It's cool. It's in a new building. And um, I wanted to know when I was going to move in with him because we're starting a family together. So we need to be living together. Like my old place, I didn't have the space to raise a child, you know? So I figured, you know, he got this two bedroom apartment. We're good. I would help contribute to pay half of the bills and he would pay the remainder. That's just how I see it when it comes to relationships. If I'm living with a boyfriend, 
we're going to split the bills 50-50, you know? I did it before with the next boyfriend before him, and that's that. But uh, once I moved in with him, I really got to see the darker side to him. And I didn't like it. He always manipulated me. He brainwashed me to have me think that there would be no other man in the world that would love me for me. He's the type of guy that thinks he's God's gift to all women. And that I'll never find another man like him. He would always say that to me whenever we would get into an argument. And it's like, I don't want to find another man like you because you ain't shit. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So I was living with him for about four years. And, um, you know, during my pregnancy, I don't think he took me seriously. You know, it was funny because he had a couple of friends that were expecting to have kids. And he got invitations to go to baby showers Did he invite me to any one of those baby showers? No. What was I doing? I was just in the house doing nothing, watching TV, cooking and cleaning and resting. And he would come back from the baby shower with like a piece of cake or some food and says to me, oh, he brought me something from the baby shower, how his supposed friends were asking for him. And I'm like, okay, what did you tell them? You know, he didn't give a direct response. I just felt that at that point, he didn't want to be seen in public with me for some reason. I already met his family, obviously. Um, Because a few months after we met, he had to go to the hospital for surgery. He had to get his gallbladder removed. You know, he was suffering from a lot of pain and I seen him cry due to the pain. I went with him to the emergency room so that he can get checked out. You know, I broke night with this guy in the hospital until they put him in a room and then I went home. And um, after he had the surgery, that's when I met his parents, you know, and I'm like, oh, hi, you know. I really didn't know how to introduce myself to his parents because he never claimed me as his girlfriend. But then he eventually told his parents, yeah, this is the girl I'm seeing. But anyway, um... Like I said, during the pregnancy, I was under a lot of stress. I had preeclampsia going into the third trimester of my pregnancy. And uh, I was in the hospital for an extra two days after I had given birth to my son. And my son was in the NICU for three weeks due to complications during, you know, giving birth. So while my son was in the NICU for three weeks... I was the one going to the hospital every single day, calling the NICU every morning and every night just to check up on my baby because this is my firstborn. And I was crushed hearing that my son was in the NICU, that he had to be in the NICU for X amount of time. And the day that I got discharged from the hospital, like I was upset because I'm going home to an empty crib knowing that my son's in the hospital, like he's supposed to be home with me. I'm supposed to be raising him and taking care of him and nurturing him, feeding him, changing his diapers, holding him. I couldn't do that for three weeks, you know, while I was home. Although I did go to the hospital and visit him and the NICU and all that, that was fine. But 
the first like week, two weeks in the hospital, he was in the NICU, you know, he was in an incubator. And um, I really couldn't hold him until he was able to breathe on his own. But let me tell you, once my son got discharged from the hospital, and that's when it begins. That's when I got to see how my ex was going to be a parent. Allegedly, he has another child from another woman years prior to meeting me. Okay? He claimed... Then he went to court to get a paternity test, but the baby mother never showed up. But at some point after my son was born, like a few months later, this alleged baby mother goes on his Facebook page and puts a message on his page for everyone to see, telling everyone she just wants him to be a part of the child's life. She just wants him to be a father. She's not asking him for any money. She just wants him to be a father to their kid. Then, um, an ex-girlfriend of my son's father, I guess he was still friends with her on social media, uh, she replies to the alleged baby mother's, you know, post and tells her he has a newborn to tend to. Like, why don't you settle this in court? So this alleged baby mother says she did go to court, but he never showed up. So I'm like, what in the hell is going on? So I'm taking screenshots of like this conversation between these two females. And I bring it up to my ex's attention. I'm like, yo, what's going on here? Like, why is this chick posting stuff on your Facebook page about you being a father to, you know, the kid? Like, what's going on? So anyway, um, fast forward a few months later, you know, my ex had left his Facebook account logged on on his laptop something tells me should i snoop and see what messages he's sending out to people or what because i have my you know my doubts about him you know like is he being faithful is he messing around so then you know what i did what i did and played investigator she was messaging him privately on facebook and she was talking about being in an abusive relationship with an ex-boyfriend. She had to send her kids away to stay with her mother. Then asked him, my son's father, if he was ready to go to court. You know, and then my ex brings up, my son's father, brings up about ain't no son of mine is doing X, Y, and Z. Like, you never talked to me about what's going on. I was like, oh, so he's admitting that this kid is his. But he never confronted me about it. So about maybe a month to two months before my son's first birthday, my son's father, his uncle passed away. And, you know, he had to go to the funeral and all of that. He wanted me and my son to go to the wake. I honestly didn't feel comfortable for having a baby attend a wake you know having a baby at a funeral home i don't think that's the right place and time for a baby to be there you know what i mean if it was an older child maybe a little different but a baby and he doesn't have all his shots and you know not knowing these people in his side of the family like 
I just didn't feel comfortable about it. Like, that's just me. I just don't feel comfortable bringing a baby to a funeral home. I was opposed to it. And I told him, look, I'm sorry for your loss. Why don't you go with your parents and your sister to the to the funeral? We'll wait for you at home. Like, what's the big deal? And, you know, he's bringing up, oh, you need to show respect to the family. Like, I'm sending you my, I'm giving you my condolences face to face. But I don't think having a baby at a funeral home is the right thing to do. So he kept lecturing me, cursing me out, blah, blah, blah. I went to the funeral home with my son, but my son stood with his aunt by the entrance of the funeral home. I went into the room where the casket was at, and I didn't feel comfortable at all. I honestly don't like funerals. I don't like wakes. You know, that's just not me. But I paid my respects, and I wanted to go home. So we ended up leaving the funeral home with his parents. And, um, you know, we made a quick stop at Wendy's to get food to take home because it was late. You know, people was hungry. So my ex went to Wendy's to get the food while I waited in the car with his parents and my son. So I told my ex on the way home, well, actually on the way to Wendy's, that as soon as we get to the house, he needs to take a shower and get rid of the clothes, you know, he wore to the funeral home, you know, just put it away to wash for the laundry. And he asked me why. And, and, you know, I mentioned this on the podcast. I'm Guyanese and Puerto Rican. I was baptized Catholic, but I grew up more accustomed to the Hindu religion because of my Guyanese side of the family. So I told him, you know, with the Hindu religion, when you're attending a funeral, you're supposed to take a shower when you get back home. You don't want to have anything evil, you know, wandering around you know what I mean because I've heard stories from my mom telling me she heard that someone attended a funeral they went home went straight to bed they didn't even remove their clothes and take a shower that they you know the remove the clothes they wore to the funeral home and then shower and then you know go about their business and then to hear that oh the person who never like showered after attending a funeral that they had a feeling somebody was following them and they turn around and nobody's there, but there was just a weird feeling. So this is the response I get from my son's father after telling him he needed to shower after getting back home from the funeral home. Ain't no son of mine going to be a Hindu. I looked at him and said, what? Excuse me? Like, my child is guy and he's a Puerto Rican just like me. My ex, by the way, is just full-blown Puerto Rican. And I'm like, oh, so now he's being discriminative against my religious beliefs because I grew up in a home with two different nationalities, two different cultures, two different religious beliefs. You're not going to respect what I grew up learning. You know, you're not going to respect the traditions that was taught to me by relatives So my son's grandfather, my ex's father, you know, came out and said, well, that's their religion. You know, you got to respect that. So I'm like, okay. So me and my son, as soon as we got back home, you know, I took off our clothes, put, put in the laundry bag, jumped in the shower, you know, took a quick bath and, you know, got dressed, went to bed. I don't recall my ex taking a shower that night. Nasty ass. <laughs> Let me tell you, because 
I'm telling you, his hygiene regimen is horrible. It's horrible. You know, when you're working a full days of work from nine to five, whatever your shift is, when you go home, you want to relax. You should be taking a shower. You know what I'm saying? Regardless of what you do for a living, you should just go home, take a shower, and go about your way. You know what I mean? But he never really takes a shower. When he gets home from work, he'll like shower first thing in the morning and then that's it. That's disgusting. I got to have at least two showers a day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If it's the summertime and I'm outdoors in the summer, if I'm going to a park or the beach or something, no, it's going to be like three showers. <laughs> but anyway, oh my gosh. Like, And then, you know, it pissed me off when I heard him say that remark, ain't no son of mine going to be a Hindu. Like, I was like, oh no, he has a problem with Hindus. He got a problem with Indian people or anyone who's Guyanese because of my family like no 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 no. you should have thought about that before you got involved with me like you didn't want to date a girl that was mixed you should have ended from the first date like oh it ain't gonna work out you're this and this like mm-mm. I mean there's people out there that got their preference on the type of people they want to date but when it comes to like your race and your religious beliefs like that's a problem you know for me if you're gonna have a problem with what I grew up with you know what I'm saying? So for him, it was like, mm-mm. he didn't like that, that I'm telling him what he has to do based on a religious belief I grew up with. Like, if you don't have respect for what I grew up with, then you don't have respect for me. So anyway, um, time goes on and... I'm still dealing with the verbal abuse, the emotional abuse, the mental abuse, even financial abuse. So my ex didn't start working until after my son's second birthday. And after my son's second birthday, that's when I found out he was diagnosed with autism. And it did hurt me because I never would have thought I would hear that I would have a child that would have special needs. And um, my ex thought... A child with autism, they're going to outgrow it, get over it. No, that's not how it autism works. So my son had to get um, more therapy at home. You know, he started getting um, early intervention services when he was four months old. It was a requirement since he was in the NICU after birth. And yeah, he got early intervention services from the age of four months up to his third birthday. And once he turned three, he attended a preschool for children with special needs. And he attended preschool for two years. After he was in his second year, he graduated and then went to kindergarten. And the school he's in now, he's been in since kindergarten. And he attends a school for children with special needs, especially him being diagnosed with autism. Um, The class setting he's in is... And pretty much the school setting he's in is for children with autism. So he loves school. I'm happy my son loves school. My ex actually was opposed to him attending preschool. He went with me to visit the school. And he was making little complaints about it. But I'm like, if this school is going to help him with his developmental abilities and social skills, you know, to be around kids his age, like, 
I want him to go. I want him to continue to get help and get services, you know, especially with the therapy he was getting. He was getting physical therapy, OT, and speech. OT is occupational therapy, if you didn't know what OT was. You know, he was getting all those services through early intervention, and it was moving forward, going into preschool, and then from preschool into elementary school. I mean, this is services he's getting for free through the state. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, there's a people out there that have kids with special needs that sometimes getting services is expensive and they're not lucky and fortunate enough to get them for free. You know what I mean? So, you know, I've been grateful and blessed that my son was getting the services that he needed since he was a newborn. And now seeing him in a third grade being one of the most popular kids at school I'm like, wow, how did this happen? You know, I love my son so much. I'm just so happy and and just so thrilled that he's been making so much progress. And it all wouldn't have been possible if he hadn't, hadn't had services through early intervention and through preschool. It's amazing. But all in all, I was still dealing with abuse at home with my son's father. And as time goes on, watching my son grow, you know, my my son's father was always nagging, complaining about everything. With early intervention, he was complaining about the times the therapists would come to the apartment. Like, why are they coming here so early? They're disrupting my sleep, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, in my mind, I just thought, I don't care about you and your sleep. Because let me tell you, when my son got home from the NICU, you know how newborns are. They wake up every three to four hours to be fed, to have their diaper changed, or to have mommy or daddy to hold them. And I remember my son's father saying this a few times when my son would wake up in the middle of the night. I'm trying to sleep here. Get that baby to shut the fuck up. It's like, wow. Like, how can you say that about a newborn? Especially this is your baby as well as it's mine. Like, I'm the one not getting much sleep here, but yet I'm the one that had to suffer having a high-risk pregnancy. Yet you could be chilling, doing nothing, but I'm the one busting my ass raising this baby and taking care of him. And I should be the one getting as much rest as I possibly can. And a good tip I learned about being a new mom and having babies in general, whenever the baby takes a nap, you should be taking a nap. You want to be able to have a lot of energy throughout the day, throughout the night. So if you could have your sleeping schedule arranged to be the same as your baby's, then it'll be fine. And I had to learn that for some time, but dealing with an idiot that didn't want to take responsibility of being a father and being a parent, you know, what was I supposed to do? I wasn't getting the help from him, you know? And once he started working after my son's second birthday, he would buy little things here and there for my son and then ask me to give him the difference of what he spent. So let's say he bought a t-shirt for like $5. He would want me to reimburse him $2.50 for it. Why should I reimburse you for things you're buying for the baby? Does that make any sense? 
Like, I would shop for my son. I wouldn't ask him for money. Like, why would I do that? Like, I'm paying half of the bills in the apartment. And I'm buying things for my son. But yet, you got the damn nerve to ask me to uh, give you money on half of what you spent for things for him? No. No. But then you want to ask me for money to get a metro card so you can go to work and travel here and there. But you're the one... Who's working full time? What are you doing with your money besides wasting it on marijuana to get high every single day and night? He's a serious pilot. He was smoke all morning, all noon, all night. I'm surprised his job never had given him a drug test because he would automatically fail. You know what I mean? And yes, he did smoke in the apartment where I lived at with my son, but he would smoke in the bathroom or in the bedroom where his father used to stay at. When he would stay in the apartment with us during the week because he used to work in the city. His parents have a place in PA. His dad would stay at our place, you know, during the weekdays because of work. He would stay in the second bedroom, which is the bedroom where all my clothing and personal belongings was at. And I would be in the bedroom with my son. And, of course, there was going to be days during the week that my son's father would not be home. He would say, I'm going to Long Island to chill with my boy to work with him to make that extra money. Okay. And here was another red flag. I would call him the day he would go. He would not answer his phone. He would call me 24 hours later and let me know like, oh yeah, my phone died, blah, blah, blah. That's why I didn't get to call you. But you're supposedly at a friend's house, so you couldn't use their outlet to charge your phone. And then he would call me at times while he's out in Long Island and I'll hear like an echo in the background so it sounds like he's talking in the bathroom or something and then certain things he would say to me kind of caught me off guard like he would say what's up what since when you say what's up to me out of the whole few years I've known you you gonna tell me what's up nah something's fishy so um Yeah, and eventually when the verbal abuse got more intense and then he started making threats at me, threatening to kill me, threatening to put his hands on me, threatening to have someone stalk me to follow me around to see where I'm going. You know, I was like, enough is enough. You know, my son is not getting any younger. He's just getting older. He's witnessing what's going on in the home and he knows right from wrong. There was one time that my son's father was cursing me out, calling me out my name, and my son being nonverbal, like, you know, he can't express himself verbally, but he just knew the way his father was talking to me was inappropriate, and he started screaming. Like, he was literally standing next to his father and just started screaming at him, yelling. And then he got mad, and then I called my son over to me and told him, come here. You know, I grabbed him and I had him sit on my lap and I told him it's going to be okay. And yeah, that was it. So long story short, I dealt with years of abuse from my ex. You know, the mental, the verbal, the emotional, the financial. And, you know, when you're dealing with so much pain and frustration and anger, For me, I lost automatic interest in him, especially finding out that he was cheating on me. Even 
when I was pregnant from before the pregnancy during and after like no I don't want to be with this person and I had to make moves and find a way to get out of that dark place and you know I ended up talking to friends about what was going on I spoke with my mom about what was going on all my mom kept telling me was just stay quiet, just stay in the room with the baby and that's it. Don't say nothing. It's like, Ma, I don't say nothing to him. And that's another thing he didn't like about me was the fact that he would curse me out, start a verbal argument with me, but I would just stay quiet and look at him like he's stupid. And he hated that because he didn't like the fact that I would have a reaction to his actions. You know what I'm saying? So... I'm not a confrontational person. I don't like to argue for whatever reason. But if you have to curse me out to get your point across, I'm going to look at you like you're stupid because you're not speaking to me like an adult. You're not speaking to me with respect. You feel me? So after my son attended uh, preschool for the first year, well, actually, it was actually during that year, but months before he started preschool, that's when I said enough is enough. It's time to make moves. My son is already three years old, you know, going to be three. He was two going on three. And I said, I need to start saving money to get my own place. I need to, you know, get myself situated. I, I got to get out of this situation. I got to be in a safe environment, not just for myself, but my son too. Like, I want him to know that... The way his father's treating me is not the appropriate behavior for a man to treat a woman. I don't want my son thinking like that's cool, you know? Like that's a normal thing to witness when you're living with people. So a few months before my son started his second year of preschool, a few months before his fourth birthday, I put my foot down. Like I started documenting what was going on at home. You know, I had a journal. I was writing down everything for like a good year, I would say, and documenting everything, all the abuse, all the threats, documenting. And um, just one day I went to the police precinct and I spoke with someone asking, you know, questions about what to do. Like, I'm in this situation. I'm constantly having my life being put in danger. I'm scared and I have a child with special needs that I'm looking after and that I'm scared for it. Like, I don't want nothing happening to him. I don't want nothing happening to me. So I had to file a DV report. A few days after filing the report, I get a call from a detective from the DV unit and she explained to me the next steps. She says, okay, I got your report. If he threatens you again, meaning my son's father, if he threatens me again, she told me to call 911 And they will arrest him, that there will be a warrant out for his arrest. So what happens? A couple days later, my ex didn't go to work. He went out shopping early in the morning. That day I ordered takeout from the local Spanish restaurant. And my ex was just talking about, oh, how I haven't been cooking lately. But then again, he complained about my cooking. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's like... They don't eat nothing. You know what I mean? So I ordered takeout for all of us. He comes back from shopping, starts bitching about me not cooking and how I'm buying food and blah, blah, blah. And then he starts making his threats. He starts threatening to have someone stalk me. 
Like, why am I going to the gym all of a sudden? You know, who am I hanging out with that he will call his dad to see if I'm home? And his dad would say, most of the time I'm not home. And I'm like, I got things to do. I have things to do for the baby. I got things to do for myself. Like, what you think? You don't do me no favors. I mean, I didn't tell him that out loud, but in my mind, you know, I'm thinking these things. And yeah, he started calling me out my name and I'm like, that's it. I just grab the plate of food that I had for my son and myself and I take him with me to the bedroom. I close the door. I walk around the bed towards the window, called 911. My ex was in the bathroom smoking weed, like always. And I called 911, told them what happened. 45 minutes later, the police knocked on the door. I go out the bedroom. I had my son watch cartoons on the TV in the bedroom. And my ex comes out the bathroom in his tank top and boxer shorts. Like, are you serious? Are you fucking serious? You fucking called the cops on me? I didn't say nothing. I just kept walking to the door. I opened the door. Two cops were there. And, you know, one of them said, someone called 911. I said, yeah, I did. So I explained to them what happened. I started getting all shaky and nervous because I've never had experienced anything like this before in my life. I never had to call 911 on someone I'm living with, on someone I'm supposed to be in a relationship with. You know what I mean? And one of the cops, I, you know, was told to go in the bedroom and wait. And I told him, you know, I have my son in the room. Like, I need to pay mine to him. And then this one cop comes over to the bedroom. And he says, listen, he wants to talk to you. He was trying to tell me my ex was trying to talk to me. And I, he then tells me, he's like, you don't have to talk to him. It's okay. I'm like, no, I don't want to talk to him. I have nothing to say to him. Like, what am I going to say to him? So then... um, Short time later, like within three or four minutes, um, the other cop is telling my ex that he's getting arrested. And I hear my ex screaming and cursing. I'm getting arrested in my fucking house. I don't want her fucking here. She don't do shit. She don't clean. She don't cook. She don't do nothing. I'm like, wow, what a bunch of lies. You think the cops are going to arrest me to of what? Not cooking and cleaning in your home? In which I pay half of the bills for? In which I clean up for you know i take care of the home while you're out and about knocking boots with the next one like come on man like who you playing so one of the cops comes up to me and says to me listen um we're gonna take him down to bookings but we're gonna come back to pick you and your son up you need to come down to the station to file a report i was like okay so then um they leave with him i look out the window and yeah they Put my ex in the back seat of the cop's car. They take off to the precinct. So I had a loss of appetite. I really didn't get to eat my dinner. My son ate though. So I got us dressed. And then, you know, the police officer came back to pick us up. We go to the precinct. I filed a report. And then I was told I had to go down to criminal court for something else. And I'm like, oh my God. So I go down to criminal court with my son. He's not knowing what the hell's going on. Why we're out at after seven o'clock at night. But let me tell you what happened while I was at the precinct though. While I'm waiting at the precinct, um, I get a phone call from my son's grandfather, my ex's father. I didn't answer the phone and I let it go straight to voicemail. And then he leaves a message saying, oh, Elisa, you need to drop the charges. You know, he has a job. I know how he gets a temper, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I can care less. I've been putting up with this shit for four years. Enough is enough. 
if he is so concerned about losing his job, he would have known how to treat me right. If he didn't want to be with me in the first place, he should have let it be known. So, um, yeah, I'm at criminal court with my son and I meet with someone there and they completed an affidavit. They wanted to know what happened between me and my son's father. Basically, the rundown of what happened that day, I called the cops and I gave them the information. They documented it, printed it out. And next thing you know, I get an order of protection. I had to go to court. I had to meet with the DA. Well, I didn't really have to go to court for that, but um, I had to meet with the DA. And um, yeah, I I showed her the, the log journals I had from the times I've dealt with the abuse. And then I was granted an order of protection for a year. So I was happy about that. Then um, shortly after moving out of my son's father's house, um. I went to file for custody of my son. So long story short, he got visitation and I got awarded, you know, sole in physical custody of my son. Um, But, you know, let me tell you something about this, too. When I was going to court for visitation, I had to go to court a a couple times. Um, You know, the times that I went, like the first and second month that I went to family court for the custody case tell me why my son's father goes to court with another female like what (laughs) you know what i'm saying like i couldn't believe it i'm like who is this chick he's bringing to court and you know at that point he did violate the order protection a few times and um yeah it was crazy man i had to file another report after family court, I had to go down to the precinct and file another report for him violating the order of protection. And it's like he got the damn nerve to bring some random female with him to court. Like, were you scared of something? I didn't go with anyone to family court. I went by myself. Because you know what? I wasn't afraid of him anymore. I I was done with him. Like, he was nothing to me. He, he wasted four years... Actually, he wasted five years of my life for nothing. The only good thing that came out of those years was having my son. And that's it. Like, you guys don't even understand, like, the years I've been crying. I've been frustrated and angry with this person who was supposed to be a quote-unquote boyfriend. But, like I said, when we started seeing each other, we didn't have the titles going around you know like oh this is my girl this is my man like never was that and honestly I was never in love with him and I know you're probably thinking like what the hell he was with him for four years and he was never in love with him I was never in love with him I did utter the words I love you to him or love you like he would say to me but it was meaningless like I felt like honestly the whole situationship of this supposed relationship was pretty much fake. It was like he was putting on a show for people. And, you know, he did manipulate me a lot. And like I said, he did brainwash me to think that there would be no other man out there that would want to be with me, that would have any interest in me, that would find me attractive. You know, he used to trash talk me about the way I would dress. 
He used to complain that I don't dress up. I don't wear stilettos. I don't wear heels. I don't look like these chicks in the hip hop videos shaking their ass all over the place, you know, wearing, you know, revealing clothing. And it's like, my body is not like that. Like, no, I dress comfortable and I dress classy. Like I have my ways of dressing sexy, but it's supposed to be for your eyes only. That's just how I am. I'm sophisticated in public, but when it comes to being in a relationship with a guy, you know, there's going to be times I want to dress cute and sexy for him. And I just want him to see it, no one else. You know what I mean? So he didn't appreciate none of that. And he didn't appreciate me. I was loyal to him. I was faithful, you know, like I wasn't the type of girl that was going out partying every weekend, but even before I was pregnant. I was a homebody, you know what I'm saying? I really didn't have a lot of friends. I mean, I have like three friends in my life that I've known for years that I talk to on a regular, but we don't really get to see each other much, but we still communicate on social media and all that. But that's it. I I don't cause drama. I don't look for drama. Like I'm not about that life, you know, but he was, he was always the one initiating the arguments, initiating the threats, you know? He was my abuser. And let me tell you, I know I was scared the day that I called the police on him, but I'm glad that I did. Because it was a wake-up call that he needed. He needed to know that this girl was not playing anymore. Like, shit was getting real. Like, you're going to put me under stress and depression for four years? No, not anymore, man. No way, Jose. Not anymore. Because let me tell you, my dad was alive. He would have been like, oh, hell no. Ain't no guy going to put my daughter under this bullshit of a mess. And my grandson either. So till this day, uh, you know, my son's father still gets visitation. And uh, we don't communicate at all. Everything is documented in a logbook, which was my idea. When um, I was awarded custody, I told my lawyer, listen, I'm doing this logbook thing because I used to work with kids years ago. So if my son comes back to me with some type of scratch or bruise or a mark on his body, I'm documenting that shit and taking pictures. But before I drop him off to his father, I'm going to document what I see and take pictures of what I see. So it could cover me. Because you know how some people could be really shady and be like, oh no, that's not how my kid came over here looking. Nope. I saw something. You know? No, I'm not like that. Mm-mm. I want to make sure that I'm protected and my son is protected. You know what I mean? So that's why I did the logbook. And the logbook still goes on to this very day. You know? And um, yeah. So occasionally, like, my son's father would tell me, like, If my son didn't want to eat, he'll tell me, oh, he didn't want to eat at this time. You might have to feed him. Um, Or, oh, I need to switch weekends with you. I can't take him this particular weekend. So I'm like, okay. It's usually short one-word responses with him. I know in the beginning when he started getting visitation and um, I was already awarded custody, it was like he would ask how my son is doing or he'll asks about something else regarding my son and I'm like okay okay fine and then he got mad at one point saying is that your response to just say okay and it's like 
what the fuck you want me to say, man? Like, I'm not here trying to have a conversation with you. Like, we're not friends. Like, I can't, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I can't stand your fucking ass. Like, you know, you want me to talk the way you want me to. No, 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 no. You either take my answer the way I say it or don't ask me anything at all. You know what I mean? And I just keep it at that. But, um, yeah, man, I'm sorry, guys. I know this is like the longest episode I'm probably running right now. But I got the help that I needed. I looked for help. I got it. I got the protection that I needed to save my life, to save my son's life, you know, and we're good now. You know, I'm 35 years old. My son is eight. And we're living a happier life more than ever since we were in that situation in the past. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, I thank my lucky stars that I woke the fuck up when I did to take legal action against my abuser, who was my son's father. And, um, you know, you're hearing this from me and... You shouldn't tolerate nobody's bullshit. Straight up. If you feel like you're being taken advantage of, then don't be around that person or individuals, you know? You don't need to be treated like shit. Treated like you're not worth fighting for. You know, because that's how I felt. I felt like I was worthless at some point. When I was with him, I felt like, I didn't mean anything to anyone, and I felt like crap. You know, I like I said, I was suffering from depression. I was stressed out. I was angry, frustrated. Like, I didn't know what to do. But until I took legal action and put my foot down and said enough is enough, I deserve better. I know my worth. I know I deserve far much better in life than to be with this piece of shit that doesn't give a fuck about me. Things will change and will change for the better. You know, I pray to God that things will get better for me and my son. And I know that things won't happen overnight, but I just got to take it one day at a time. And that's what you guys have to do. You know, just pray and take it one day at a time, but start now. If you feel like you're going through a situation like I have, start taking action. Don't wait until it's too late. You know, life is too short to deal with the drama and pettiness. And, you know, if you feel like you and the person you're seeing aren't meant to be, then go your separate ways. Don't waste each other's time. But when it comes to an abusive relationship, you need to get out of that shit as soon as possible. If there's kids involved, you need to get out of it right away. No excuses. I know it could be a scary situation for a lot of people like it was for me. But like I said, you can get help. Get help as soon as you can. You know, um, if you got to pack a bag of clothing for you and your kids, make sure the bag contains all of your important documents like birth certificates, social security cards, photo IDs, emergency contact numbers of friends and relatives, doctors. I mean, have some money saved up, whether it's in a separate bank account Or if you have a card, you know, they sell those prepaid cards. You could put money into it 
in case you have to leave. Prepare yourself, you know, you got to prepare yourself because that's what I did. And you're hearing this from a former domestic violence victim who became a survivor. And um, that's all I can say. I mean, wow. That's pretty much my experience with domestic violence. And um, I know it's a scary thing to talk about. And it is a sensitive topic, like I mentioned. But we need to take a stand. We need to take a stand against domestic violence. Stop the stigma. And the violence needs to come to an end. Like I said, if you know someone who is a victim of domestic violence, or if you yourself think you may possibly be a victim of domestic violence, please get help. There are organizations that can work with you on what you're going through. There's numbers to call and so much more. I pray to you all and I wish you all the best in everything that life has to offer to you. And on that note, I thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Sweet Talk with Elisa podcast. I hope this was an eye opener to each and every one of you. And that's about it. So feel free to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Sweet Talk underscore Lisa. You guys are more than welcome to DM me if you need someone to talk to. You have any questions you want me to answer on the podcast as well. Take care, you all. And until next time.